Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians won. The Toronto Blue Jays nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. The problem is, I am dealing with a fantastic head cold. Uh, thanks, daycare. Um, you can hear it in my voice. The, not the typical Davey voice, right? So uh, I'm going to try to grind through this, but chances are this is going to be a short episode. And uh, I, I actually may take tomorrow off and just do a doubleheader episode to wrap up the series on Friday. And then I, I have a wedding this weekend to go to, which is very uncommon for uh, someone in their late 30s, right? The weddings tend to slow down. Uh, but I have a wedding uh, to go to on Saturday night. So I may just do a doubleheader episode uh, Sunday evening, Monday morning, uh, and wrap all that up uh, over the weekend in a doubleheader episode as well. So if if you see a gap in the schedule here, a gap in the schedule there, that's why. All right, uh, let's get into this game, a one nothing game. It's nice because there's not a lot to talk about in a one nothing game. Storylines are pretty simple. You did have some nice emails for me, and I'll try to get to them really quickly. Um, so the storyline of this game is Tanner Bybee. Uh, you know, he might not have given you the quantity that Gavin Williams did, but he definitely gave you the quality, right? He doesn't match the 12 strikeouts, but still pretty impressive. Seven innings pitched, six hits, no runs, no walks, six strikeouts. On 100 pitches, he is hard hit seven times. And once he gets out of the jam in the third inning, man, he really, really goes to work. And, you know, it's a weird inning. Uh, Whit Merrifield with an opposite field single. Brandon Belt lays down a bunt single. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. kind of chops one down the third baseline. He beats it out for a single. And so you got bases loaded. And uh, one out here in the third inning. And Bybee just goes to work against Springer and Varsho. Gets two strikeouts with the bases loaded to end the inning. We definitely got to take a look at those strikeouts because they were, I mean, some of the most pivotal moments of the whole game. And he's just attacking the strike zone with that slider. He is uh, he wasn't even getting calls. He should have gotten one at the knees on a slider on the second pitch of the at-bat that was called a ball. Um, so he throws him one uh, middle away that he fouls off. Throws him another one at the knees where he doesn't get the call. Misses with one high. Uh, so he's in a 2-1 count here. Goes uh, to the outside edge again, and this time gets him to swing through it, middle away, and then comes back inside with a changeup for a called strike and absolutely drops it on the inside corner. Uh, you think uh, George Springer was thrown off a little bit by four sliders in a row, followed by a changeup spinning the opposite direction. Absolutely uh, great job there by Bybee, great sequence there. And then Varsho comes up, uh, the lefty this time, uh, so he uses the changeup, you know, a little more to lefties, but he's also throwing the slider here. Ah, something about it, he stayed away from his fastball here with this bases loaded situation. So he throws him a slider middle in again to the lefty that he fouls off, throws him a changeup, leaves it off the plate that he chases, tries to go even further off the plate, but he lays off it for a 1-2 count, and then goes slider, but 
buries it down and in at his knees and gets him to swing over it to strike out. So that's some filthy stuff there uh, from Bybee. I did notice that uh, had a few more called third strikes. Uh, Gavin Williams was pretty much all swinging, right? I think we found one called strike in that mix. Bybee, uh, I believe three of the strikeouts were called strikeouts and three of the strikeouts were uh, swinging strikeouts. And uh, the called strikeouts were on off-speed stuff. It was the one low changeup to George Springer. There was a high changeup to uh, to uh, Brandon Belt in the first inning, and then a uh, a high slider to Espinal in the fourth inning that just hits that uh, glove side of the plate, just paints the outside edge there uh, for Bybee. Then he's got Varsho chasing that slider down at his knees, and then a couple of high fastballs. Uh, Jansen in the second inning chases a high fastball. It was in the zone, but a high fastball. And uh, DeYoung foul tips one for strike three in the fifth inning, going up out of the strike zone. So three swinging, three looking. Uh, pretty, uh, you know, that's a fair day. Uh, six strikeouts. After, after we saw 12 strikeouts, you know, we're a little spoiled, right? Six strikeouts. It's a good day. So that's why I said Bybee gave you not the quantity, but he gave you the quality. It was a really, really strong seven innings pitched. Um, you know, his player breakdown page, his CSW numbers aren't as eye-popping as Gavin Williams are. Uh, 11 whiffs on 45 swings. It's a 24% whiff rate. Of the pitches, the changeup uh, had a 40% whiff rate, so that was kind of working the best for him. Uh, 18 called strikes added in there is a 29% CSW. Uh, respectable, uh, not the dominance that Gavin Williams gave us, but very respectable. Um, and the... Uh, the, the fastball was working for that. Eight called strikes uh, from the fastball was the most of any pitches, which he leaned on the fastball through it 43 times, obviously not with the bases loaded, but uh, for the rest of the game, uh, 43 times to 23 changeups, 22 sliders, and then sprinkled in 12 curveballs. Uh, but he was attacking the strike zone. He was doing, you know, the thing that our rookie pitchers love to do, attack the strike zone. The fastball... Uh, stayed up for the most part. There's a few down at the knees, but for the most part, attacking the top of the strike zone with the fastball, but working it in and out, throwing it to both sides of the plate, which is nice to see, not stuck in one spot with the fastball, and then uh, pounding that slider at the strike zone and you know, throwing a decent amount of changeups and curveballs in the strike zone as well. So a really great job of filling up the zone for Tanner Bybee and it's he is he is really good I mean we have we have gotten lucky once again to have him and Gavin Williams and Logan Allen maybe to a lesser extent but still pretty good for, I mean for a rookie come on um so actually uh Jeff uh from Palo Alto uh challenged me uh he uh, he said is the request line open uh if you uh, watching tonight got me wondering if you could do a deep dive into the young pitchers who are keeping this team within striking this distance without Bybee and Williams to a lesser extent, Allen and Curry. There's just no way this team could weather the injuries and ineffectiveness that afflicted this year's rotation. Uh, yeah, actually, I would like to do a deep dive, Jeff. I, clearly, I don't have the voice to do it today, but uh, your request is heard, Jeff, and uh I think it'd be fun to look at what they're doing 
versus what uh, Savali and Plesak and Bieber did when they came up. Because uh, remember, they, they were a wave of rookie pitchers uh, that were quite impressive So and saved a season. So uh, it'd be a fun comparison. Um, he, he jokes, uh, I'd love a longer format discussion suitable for a 45-minute treadmill run, say. Um, <laughs> so, Jeff, I'll try my best. I don't, I don't know if we'll hit your full run time there, but uh, I'll try my best to do a deep dive. Uh, I'll let you know when it's coming. Uh, all right, so jumping back into this game, that was the pitching side of the things. On the hitting side of things, once again, this offense is is kind of ice cold. Uh, I mean, we get the debut of Ramon Laureano. Apparently, uh, I saw someone tweeted this out that the last person to have the lone RBI in a one nothing win in their debut for a team was Ramon Laureano when he made his Oakland A's debut. So uh, I guess he's just got a knack for this thing. And it comes all the way back in the second inning. Uh, after Oscar Gonzalez uh, hits a leadoff single, uh, he uh, gets one deep in the hole at shortstop, fights off an inside curveball, and hits it deep in the hole in shortstop. DeYoung can't make a play. You know, there's no play to be made. Uh, he beats it out for a single. And then Ramon Laureano comes up. Second pitch curveball. So Kikuchi was great on the night. Don't get me wrong, but two curveballs here cost him the game. Uh, first pitch was a high fastball and then a curveball middle of the plate. And he jumps on it 90.6 uh, into the left field corner. And Oscar Gonzalez comes all the way around to score. And that's it. That's your offense. One run in the second inning holds up. Bybee. I mean, just runs the seven innings. Trevor Steffen uh, gets him in the eighth inning. And then Classe in the ninth inning, you, you were a little worried, right? The bunt single, another chopper off the plate that goes for an infield single. Like, come on. Come on. There's no way this is going to happen twice in a row to Classe. I know he didn't pitch yesterday. He was serving that game suspension, and it wasn't a safe situation anyways. But the last time he was out there, it was a chopper off the plate. That and a bunch of infield stuff that cost him the game. But no, he gets Alejandro Kirk to fly out to end the threat. So he gets out of it. A big strikeout of Kevin Biggio, too, uh, in between those infield singles. So he gets out of it. Uh, Class A survives. So uh, they actually gave him, he did a pretty long interview uh, after the uh, after the game. They were asking him about the suspension and why didn't you appeal and He's basically like, look, this is what they decided. It is what it is. It's behind me now. So, uh, A get him getting himself another save there, even though he had to work for this one. I mean, when you see Classe throw 16 pitches, he had to work for it. Uh, yeah, it is troubling this offense. Like, it is. It, it, three hits, it's, it's troubling. By the way, Kikuchi goes seven innings, gives up three hits, the one run, one walk, six strikeouts himself. On 95 pitches, he's only hard hit three times. So Kikuchi was in control of this game. Uh, it's troubling. This offense, it, it is troubling. Uh, Rokio with a late double would be the third hit. Arias does kind of look lost at the plate, doesn't he? I mean, him and Bo Naylor are both hitting 196. They have not been the saviors offensively that we hoped they would be uh, getting this playing time. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's troubling. It is troubling this offense right now. Uh, 
I don't know. You know, Marlon asked me, is Valeka going to be the fall guy for the offense? I don't know. I, they don't they don't change coaches very often. They don't tend to use their hitting coach, their pitching coaches as fall guys very often. They, they've actually been a pretty loyal front office. So I think they'll probably just chalk it up to rookies being rookies, Marlon. Like I I I think they're probably going to go that route. Like say like you wanted to see the rookies play. You, you asked for rookies. You, you're getting rookies. Um but Ramon Laureano isn't a rookie, and it's the last thing I wanted to touch on here. Uh, who is Ramon Laureano? Well, he's a 29-year-old former Oakland Athletic from the Dominican Republic. He was drafted by the Houston Astros in the 16th round of the 2014 MLB Draft. Uh, he has been a valuable player for Oakland in his so far in his career. Uh, he's not he's he's crossed the hundred game mark once. So, you know, dealing with some injuries. He did play most of the pandemic season, the, the 2020 season, but dealing with uh, injuries, it must must be for 21, 22, and uh, 23 just hasn't made it through a full season. Uh, but there was so much promise in that 2019 season. He hit 288. He had an OPS of 860. He had uh, 24 home runs, 29 doubles. It was looking like a pretty good season and a pretty good center fielder possibly here he had a 129 ops plus on the 2021 season he had a positive ops plus he had it at a 111 ops plus uh 14 home runs that season Eh, batting average falls but the ops stays up at 760 last year it was rough 211 batting average 663 ops this year in oakland it was a 213 batting average with a 645 OPS plus. Uh, so they cut him loose. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I think I think he's still an arbitration eligible player. I don't think he's actually... I don't know if being released and picked up by Cleveland changes the contract status. But he wasn't scheduled to be a free agent until 2026. So uh, yeah, Cleveland might, might have jumped on someone here. And it's someone who... At one time, was actually talked about as a trade candidate for Cleveland when they were searching for center field help, when they were searching for a little pop uh, in their outfield. And the one thing, he's a right-handed hitter, and for his career, he has been effective against left-handed pitching, which is something this team continues to look for. So, uh, versus righties, uh, right on right, he's a two thirty-six hitter. Right on left, left-handed pitcher, he's a two seventy-two hitter. So that batting average jumps about 40 points. The OPS also jumps about 60 points. It goes from a 736 OPS against righties to a 791 against lefties. That's pretty pretty good. The OPS plus goes from a 95 against right-handed pitchers to a 111 against left-handed pitchers. So he has been 11% better than league average facing left-handed pitchers. That's something this team can use. And people are wondering, is he going to get into a platoon here with Will Brennan in right field. And uh, they have faced two lefties the last few days. Uh, somebody pointed this out in their email. Um, yeah, it was uh, Marlon. Uh, they have faced lefties, and is that why Brennan is benched? I don't know. It just seems so weird to me. And it seemed weird to Marlon, too, that Calhoun and Loriano are here kind of stealing at bats from young players. Like, 
I get that they needed some depth. Now, the other thing that happened with Loriano is Fry uh, got in, is on the IL. Fry's injury was bad enough that they placed him on the IL. So, again, they don't go to AAA to fill that. They go to the waiver wire to fill that. And so maybe Loriano, they just had their eye on him for a long time, and they finally had a chance to snag him. But it is strange that in what should be a youth movement, suddenly Cole Calhoun and Loriano are taken at bats here for the Cleveland Guardians. It it's weird. I I don't know. I don't know the reason for it. Uh I don't think they've really said the reason for it. Uh they just said these guys are available and uh hey, we needed the depth uh, maybe. Um so yeah, so that's who that's who Ramon Loriano is. Uh you saw his arm in right field. Uh they didn't tag up on him in the ninth inning when they had a chance to move a runner to third. Uh, and it actually cost them the game by not tagging up and moving over there. So, uh, you know, they can't get that run in. Um, so that's big. Uh, that arm in right field is going to be an advantage defensively. Uh, so uh, following up your emails, uh, Jeff said, how many one-run games have we played this season? How many wins? How many losses? Can you do a semi-deep dive? Also, it looks like Classe's velocity is all the way back. 100-mile-per-hour fastball cutter with a 91-mile-per-hour slider. Filthy. Sounds like Loriano has a good arm. In the ninth inning, Hammy was excited when he prevented the runner on second, Varsho, from tagging with a cannon shot from right field. Yeah, it was. You got to see the highlight. It, it's a good arm. Um, and Klasse, yeah, he did say he's he's feeling more comfortable on the mound in that postgame interview. They asked him about the velocity. He said he's comfortable with the pitch clock, comfortable with his how his arm's feeling, and the velocity is back. And yes, Jeff from Columbus, Jeff with a G, I can do a deep dive because... Baseball reference is lucky enough to have this split available for us. So in one run games this season, the Guardians have played 41. They're 20 and 21. That's their win-loss record. 20 and 21 in one run games. Uh, just to give you some comparison uh, to know if that's high or low, the Toronto Blue Jays have played in 32 one run games. And obviously, I have no clue if this is updated uh, I, I don't know if this is updated from last night's game. But uh, it should be. It should be. They have the final in here, so it should be. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays are 18-14 and 14 in one-run games. So just to give you a comparison for a random team in the league who we happen to be playing this week, uh, how many one-run games they've been in to kind of judge is that high or low, 41 games. So uh, there you go. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, that's Jeff with the G's email. Marlon, uh, kudos to Tanner Bybee for the best start of the season. He was aggressive and pounded the strike zone. Aside from hitting Espinal, he showed pinpoint control all night. These starts by Big Rig and Bybee. I still don't know if that nickname's going to stick. I don't know. Big Rig. Gavin Williams, he's talking about. And Bybee looked like the outings from last year's rotation in which they pitched deeper into games, thereby shortening the game for the bullpen. It's a shame that pitching has such a razor-thin margin of error. Hopefully, Bybee will earn AL Rookie of the Year votes. He won't win it, Marlon thinks, but he should definitely receive votes and finish somewhere inside the top three to five. I feel like that's a low bar, Marlon. You're setting for Tanner Bybee there. Let's, let's get him into the top three. Come on. Let's let's get him there. Uh, so thank you, Marlon, for the email. And uh, Jeff uh, from Palo Alto, like I said, uh, we will we'll find time to do that deep dive. Um he said, admit it, you were thinking, here we go again in the ninth inning, weren't you? Infield hits with or without the optimum defensive alignment happen. 
and they just seem to be killers late in close games. Anyways, whew. Uh, yeah, they, they did kind of have their best defense in there, didn't they? Uh, and they still ended up with some infield hits. So thank you, Jeff. Uh, I'm saving your email in the inbox, and I will try to do this deep dive for you uh, when the voice comes back. So that's all my thoughts. I, I got to go take a cough drop. I got to get out of here. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final, it's one to nothing. Let's see if we could get a little more offense for the rest of this series. Uh, I may not be back tomorrow. I may take a day off and just do the doubleheader episode on Friday. But you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Bears. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.